Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Big Fight Reaction Show. I'm joined by Luke from ITR Boxing to talk about this weekend's fights and oh my god, what a hell of a weekend it has been in the world of boxing. A huge upset in many people's minds as Liam Smith dethrones and defeats Chris Eubank Jr. in four rounds. Absolutely renders Chris Eubank Jr. Luke it was a big shock for a lot of people, but certainly not for those that believed in Liam Smith this weekend. What was your initial reaction to that result? So, how do I be concise here? Because I don't want to ramble. My fear leading in was, in their most marquee fights, Eubank Jr. had thrown half of the amount of punches at Liam Smith. Liam Smith has fought the better experienced fighters, but Eubank Jr. is the house Jr. is the more marketable fighter. So if you know the corruption of boxing, you would assume Eubank Jr. would win. But I had a lot of red flags going into this fight because Liam Smith is a very experienced fighter. I would say the result was shocking, but at the same time, I don't think any of us rated Chris Eubank as the world rating he was a so he was so though shocking, I wasn't surprised. It was a surprise to me the way it ended. I definitely was very much surprised by the way things panned out in this fight. I mean, ultimately, I sat there with Johnston last week and recorded our episode for it, and both of us agreed that we thought Eubank would, would take the victory here, but it wasn't a case of us underselling Liam Smith and his ability. It was more so that we felt Eubank Jr. had enough in the locker to be able to do that, and Eubank Jr. saying it was one hell of a shot. It was the shot of a lifetime. He's said that multiple times in interviews today, in the aftermath of losing that fight. But the big 
thoughts and feelings that were coming from a lot of people within boxing, i.e. Cal Fox, George Groves, those that were doing the punditry for Sky last night, were saying that a lot of this could have been down to the weight issue and that, you know, he was struggling with the weight. And then it also led on to the conversation of, well, if he struggled with this fight, how would he have got on with Conor Ben? Would Conor Ben have beaten him should they have fought in October last year? So it actually poised quite a lot of questions off the back of that emphatic loss. So weight cutting, we know, is a huge issue within the sport and it can lead to many dramatic moments in the sport. Would you consider weight cutting with Chris Eubank Jr. over the past few months to have been an issue in this fight? Or was it literally, as he said, he just got caught with one hell of a shot, which was the downfall of his of his fight? I think it's threefold. If you're asking for the Luke opinion, I think the weight issue is an issue. I think that we forgot that Eubank has not fought that many experienced high-level fighters and that he's had mixed results at that level. And I think that the thing I discounted was Callum Smith had fought, if I'm remembering right, or had been in camp to fight Eubank at some point. And it felt like not just did uh, Liam Smith have a game plan, it was a he extensively knew what Eubank Jr. was going to do. And it felt like that there was a level of experience that Liam Smith was bringing into this fight that Eubank Jr. didn't have. He thought of Liam Smith as a traditional come forward fighter like a Liam Williams, whereas Smith had a little bit more craft than I think Eubank Jr. expected. It was really interesting to see how the first few rounds played out leading into that fourth and final round of the fight. It was really good, the work rate, that the pace that both of them set because, you know, me and Johnston, again, we're of the opinion that maybe one or the other will set a, a higher pace, but I felt like both of them set quite a, a decent pace throughout the course of the rounds and one of the interesting observations of Chris Eubank Jr. is his affiliation with his trainer Roy Jones Jr. and it felt like he was trying to sort of imitate a little bit mimic maybe a little bit of of the Roy Jones Jr. style but you know there's only one Roy Jones Jr. and there was only one guy that couldn't be touched back in the 90s into the 2000s and I just think Eubank Jr. was a poor replication of a of a Roy Jones Jr. Uh, he wasn't able to put that to good use in that fight. And Liam Smith, as you said, knew exactly what to expect and how to approach it and what he needed to do. And he was there with his tight guard. And yeah, there was moments where Eubank were throwing multiple uppercuts and some of them were sort of sneaking through the guard. And it was quite... A hairy moment, that particular moment when he landed three or four uppercuts simultaneously, where it was just, is he going to hurt him? Is he going to cause these problems at this early stage of the fight? But credit to Smith, he weathered that storm in the fashion that he does, and he looked for his openings and he took the opportunity. And that left uppercut that he hit Eubank with was just the one that completely, completely hurt him. And this is where the weight issue that I was talking about and referring to and why the pundits were talking about it was because they were all mentioning the fact that he fought higher weight and harder punching fighters in previous fights, Chris Eubank Jr., that, you know, he wasn't susceptible in in this fight. It seemed that, not discrediting Liam Smith's punching power, but the fact that he was fighting someone who has coming up from a smaller weight into the middleweight category and the shot that he hit him with was seemingly something that maybe you would have expected Eubank Jr. to have absorbed 
like you've seen him in previous fights, he wasn't able to, you know, he wasn't able to sort of absorb that punch and then be able to carry on. It completely just left his legs away from his senses. And the other issue was the referee let the fight continue there and then, which I thought was was quite a, a, a dangerous thing because it was quite evident he was not fit to continue at that point. And the referee, I think, allowed him to take a little bit more punishment than what he needed to. But I'm, I'm still a little bit in shock about it, to be honest. And again, I, I say it on the sense that I always looked at Chris Eubank Jr. as a guy that, you know, I always saw him at the top level getting beat off the top guys when he, when he stepped up. But I genuinely never saw that happening in that fashion. And I think that's why I'm still a little bit in shock of it because he's got a granite chin. And now that that fight last night has now then opened up all these flaws for his future. So like when you look at the fighter now and the implications of what this has done, it changes the future for both of these guys. So ultimately, will they take the rematch clause that's in there and will that fight happen again? Or will these paths completely deviate from from what happened? I mean, I think you have to take the rematch because it was a pay per view fight in the UK. It's it's a shocking ending. It kind of, if we want to stay with Roy Jones, it's kind of like Tarver Jones. You know, a lot of suspense going into it. To me, Eubank Jr. fought like Jean Pascal when Roy Jones kind of had started working with him. I think the big thing is that, and you hit on this. Is it the weight cut or is it damage that has now eroded Eubank's iron chin? Because that is the ultimatum. If you think it's the weight and if he can find a weight class where he's more healthy, maybe that helps him. But I do think that there are concerns moving forward that maybe he's permanently damaged and that he can't, his flaws as a fighter are now going to be tenfold. So what does Eubank do next then? I mean, ultimately, I know you say take the rematch, but... If, if that's not an option or if that doesn't end up coming to fruition, I mean, realistically, is there, is there another big fight out there for him now that that really... You, you, yeah, but now you look at it, Conor Ben, now you think maybe what could he have done to him? Could he have done something more? Could he have done that emphatically? I, I don't think that fight with Conor Ben should be on the table anymore. At this point, at this point in time, I think if anybody gets that fight, it should be Liam Smith now. Liam Smith should get that fight. Remember, you know, Conor Ben's the natural welterweight who was moving up to fight Eubank. And Liam Smith's the natural super welterweight who came up to middleweight to fight Eubank. It'd be more feasible to make the fight between Smith and Ben, with Ben obviously looking to to return to the ring at some point soon. That would be a more feasible and and definitely a a fight that will sell in the UK and, and probably over in America as well. I think people will be interested to see what, what happens within that. But I'm talking more about what Eubank does next. Like, there was talk of him fighting Golovkin. Like, if he won that fight last night, it was talk of him fighting Gennady Golovkin. And even at nearing 41 years of age, Gennady Golovkin, you think to yourself now, after looking at that, what would he have done to him last night? Because it makes me feel that it would have been a really dangerous fight for Chris Eubank Jr., I mean, to me, Eubank is in one of these weird spots where he looked so bad, he's going to get a lot of opportunities because he's a big sick ticket seller. There's a big show around him, and he looks like a very beatable guy. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities because boxing is one of these weird sports where if you look too good, you get no opportunities. And if you look real bad and you're famous, you actually get more opportunities. So I think 
pretty much every famous fighter is going to be lining up to fight him at 160 and 168. What about Liam Smith then? I mean, what do you think initially now he can do? Because that, for me, was the career-defining performance of, of, of what he's done so far in boxing, barring him being a world champion and fighting and losing to some of the best guys around, as in Munguia and Canelo. Like, what can he do next? I mean, Conor Ben, yeah, that's a, that's a possibility. I mean, they were saying this morning... He could get the Golovkin fight. I mean, is that out of the realms of possibility or is that just too far-fetched? I like the Golovkin fight for Liam Smith because if you think about it from a purist, he fights three of the best modern fighters in that weight class. And we don't have many guys that are capable of that. And I deeply respect Liam Smith as a fighter. I think that people, because he didn't win those big fights, people go, oh, he sucks. He's been for a decade now a top 10 fighter in the divisions he's campaigned at. And I think that possibly he's a guy that's going to be better later in his career because he's gaining experience on the job. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past him to rifle off a Golovkin win and a Connor Ben win. And we're looking at a guy that kind of defines his legacy very late in his career. Imagine, just imagine that would be the case. That would be that would be one hell of a story, that's for sure. And here in the UK, we would really lap that up because that would be one hell of a story. I mean, he was completely wrote off last night by many people and myself and Johnson didn't essentially write him off as such, but we certainly didn't think he would win the fight, nevertheless win in that emphatic fashion. So, you know, there was a lot of people this morning absolutely praising Liam Smith. Not that they didn't praise him before, they just felt like maybe Eubank was a little bit of a step too far and you take into consideration weight categories and them being there for a reason and styles making fights i knew it'd be exciting i knew it would be good i just didn't envisage it to go down the way it did and and as i've said multiple times i am still in a little bit shell-shocked with the result and the way it went down and I'm, I'm happy i suppose for liam because looking at liam's career he needed a career defining win and that was that last night that that win was the career defining win he needed now he becomes more of the hot property than maybe eubank ever was and eubank was the one with the famous father you know they've got obviously the famous smith brothers in the uk but eubank was the one who had the father who had this amazing legacy in the uk and yet he's underachieved in his career whereas liam smith some might say him being world champion in the super welterweight division was was an overachievement but now it makes me wonder like what can he do next will he stay at middleweight will he go down to 154 again and look at the big names in 154 I think the rematch will probably happen first because it sells. It makes a lot of money. There's needle between the two of them in the lead up to it even more so. And, you know, if Eubank genuinely believes it was a fluke, which is the impression we're getting at the moment from him, then it'll certainly sell again a little bit later this year. Maybe in the summer at Liverpool's football club stadium at Anfield, maybe that would be a really good sell for, for pay-per-view. But I think when I think of Liam Smith's career now at this point, at a similar age of, as what Eubank is you'd be looking for them huge big fights. If if Golovkin's team came knocking, certainly you wouldn't want to take the Eubank rematch. You'd be want to take in that big fight. And remember, obviously Golovkin's still got titles there as well. So there's nothing stopping, you know, a Liam Smith voluntary defence going on for, for Golovkin if he still wants to stick around. Well, I think there's a case to be made that Liam Smith might be the best guy in this division. I think that he has a good chance against Janabek. I think this is a, a division that's void of a young superstar taking over the division. It's void of a big name. And I think this is a unique opportunity where if you love awards the way I love awards, 
Liam Smith is a front runner for a possible fighter of the year candidate if he rifles off one or two more wins. People might say that, you know, that'll be that'll be it for him. He won't do anything more than that. But ultimately, I think if the opportunities do arise this year and he takes them and he comes out victorious in them, then there's nothing to say that these big fights that you're mentioning won't happen. It's not out of the realms of possibility anyway. Like before that fight last night, people would have laughed at the pair of us if we would have said Liam Smith versus Golovkin or Janabek. Now people are not laughing anymore because people are saying, well, actually, you know, there's a legit chance he could he could give both of those fighters a really good fight and, and possibly even score an upset against both of them. Nobody thought he was going to do what he did last night. So there's certainly a possibility that he could put himself out there for a, for a big fight in the middleweight division. I'm genuinely interested to see where it takes him from here and, and where it also takes Eubank as well because I genuinely feel he is uh, one of the uh, big underachievers in most recent years in the UK. So it'll be interesting to sort of see where the tides go off the back of this fight and, and whether that rematch happens or not. But yeah... It was a shocking. Add one thing. Go look at look at his losses. It's like Matt Korobov, Jaime Munguia, Canelo. I mean, people talk about him like he's a journeyman, but I mean, it's like the guys he's losing to are like the best of his era. He just beat Jesse Vargas. He just beat Anthony Fowler. The guy's not a bad fighter, and I feel like people criminally underrate him because he's not Callum Smith. I think I underrated him a little bit going into this fight, and and that's. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply that's the truth i did i underrated him a little bit going into this fight and i think after seeing the performance and and seeing that he could carry himself up at middleweight I genuinely feel that my opinion of where his career can go now at this point has changed slightly. And that's great. You know, it's great that a fighter can do that and change that opinion of of, of me as an individual and probably many other individuals that, that follow this sport. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Like, it, you know, it's a moment that maybe wasn't expected by many, many people. And it was a moment that will certainly in the UK's most recent boxing history it will be remembered for quite some time certainly will it was a it was a great end to the night of a card which 
provided some some relatively decent fights. So I wanted to get your perspective on the remainder of the the main fights on this particular card. And there's one fight in particular and one fighter in particular that me and Johnston were talking about in our preview for that card. And that was Fraser Clark and his movement up through the heavyweight division and the, the rankings of the heavyweight division. And he stopped his opponent, Espinola, last night and it was a, a good stoppage for him, a good stoppage win, and there was a risk that it might go the full distance of the fight, and that Fraser Clark might be looked upon again as someone that maybe isn't moving forward within his career when he really needs to do so. But I think last night he made a statement that I was looking for as a fan. I wanted to see him do something of that nature in the fight with Espinola. I wanted to see him stop his opponent, and I wanted to see him look for them bigger opportunities and I remember Anthony Joshua coming out of the Olympics and bowling over all of his opponents you know he was well matched throughout the first 10 fights of his career and I think Fraser Clark now is he's starting to get the level of step up he needs and he needs to sort of follow a very similar blueprint I think with what Anthony Joshua did because by the time he got to sort of 10-12 fights you know he was he was very well known within the UK and he was starting to like, transcend to the US and people wanted to see what he was going to do next. And when he's knocking people out, you, know, you want to see these fighters. You want to see if they can step up to the level and do that again and whether it can transition over to that level. And I think that's what we're looking at now with Fraser Clark. And the one thing he said in his post-fight interview was that he hasn't gone into one of these professional fights without an injury yet. And yet he goes into the one he went into last night and actually he felt the best he's felt going into the ring. And I think that we don't appreciate that sometimes as fans. I'm not saying yourself, but I know many fans don't really understand that not every fighter goes in there 100%. In fact, most fighters go into a ring probably 90 to 95%, sometimes a little bit less than 90% of the time with some sort of niggling injury that they've picked up in camp. But that never gets spoken about and Fraser was quite open in that post-fight interview about the fact that he'd never gone into one of them professional fights without some sort of an injury. So, having looked at that last night, Luke, eh, what did you see differently, maybe, than what you'd seen from him before? And then on the back of that question, what does he need to do next now to start pushing that career forward? I mean, I think that he's one of the most intriguing guys. He was a guy at the Olympics. I was captivated by his personality and his pure joy. I think that he just needs to get in big fights because he's older, an older fighter who spent most of his time as an amateur. I look at the obvious fight, which maybe Joe Joyce is a little past him in terms of development. They're the same age. And I think seeing him and Joyce this year, if Joyce can't get a big fight, I think Frage, Frage, big Frage Clark needs to take a step of fight in 2023 at some point. He can't just be fighting these because what's he at 36 years old? He just... He needs to hit the ground running a little bit more at this point in his career. But I, I think he looks the part of a world-class fighter. That's what me and Johnston said. We said the same thing. Like you look at the Joe Joyce blueprint as well and you know how quickly they moved him on from sort of journeyman fighters to the main Stiverns of the world and, and then so on and so forth. And then look how he dismantled Joseph Parker in his last fight and then Joseph Parker obviously will come on to him shortly uh, return on the undercard last night of that particular bill but yeah I think you're right I, I agree with that and I think that's me, what me and Johnson were saying in our preview to that show as well so I suppose it bleeds nicely into the Joseph Parker conversation now he fought cruiserweight moving up to heavyweight for the first time Jack Massey in that fight last night and it went the distance and Joseph Parker didn't seem to really get out of 
second gear for me. He, he didn't seem to... I think people expected him to put Jack Massey away. I think that's what, what I was thinking with this fight. And I knew Jack would put on a show as best he could because I've done a lot of work with Jack in the past and I know he's a determined character and his only defeat is to Richard Reactport on points. He's he's not been beaten in, in, in the sense of being stopped in his career. So I knew it was going to be a tough task for him. And early on in the, in, in the fight, I thought, you know, maybe this isn't going to go... Jack's way but he was able to hang on there and and lose on a unanimous decision but Joseph Parker was the one that was coming out of it with the critics saying that you know he's uh, the Joyce fights kind of destroyed him now like that some people were saying last night and in the midst of that performance but I want to know what you think what did you see last night with Joseph Parker I saw a guy that came back to the ring after a brutal knockout too soon I saw a guy who fought not too long ago got stopped by Joe Joyce a destructive puncher and a beatdown who returned to the ring too quickly. And I saw lingering effects where he still, as you said, can't get out of first gear. And it feels like he was on this card to keep him active so him and Fraser Clark could fight sometime in the future. Well, that's a, a good uh, point. And I didn't even think about that when you say it like that. Joseph Parker, big phrase. It'd certainly sell well in the UK and it'd certainly be a step up that big phrase would certainly need Uh, but I saw a guy that to me looked like a shell of the guy I saw a few years ago when he first came to Manchester to fight Huey Fury I saw a guy that's nowhere fresh and as ready and as raring as he once was and he has had some hard fights against the likes of Dillian White and Derek Chisora and Joe Joyce and I think them hard fights seemingly look like they're taking the toll on him a little bit after that performance last night. Whether that was just him trying to get the rounds in, getting the confidence back. But who knows, boxing and time will certainly tell us what is going on with Joseph Parker and in his career at this stage of it as well. So yeah, that was another fight on the card that you know I was in looking forward to sort of watching but didn't enjoy the fight as such. I just felt like it was a glorified sparring session at points of the fight. But one fight I was excited for, one fight I was looking forward to, was Richard Riakpo and Christoph Kluwake, because I wanted to see whether Richard Riakpo would do what Lawrence Ecoli did to Kluwake, and that was to put him away, and put him away in emphatic fashion. And he certainly did that last night, and he nearly had him out of there in the second round. Ultimately, he got him out of there in the fourth round, but he's certainly staking a claim now to be fighting a top guy in the division. He called out every champion in his post-fight interview last night. He said he wanted to fight Akolai, Opatia. He talked about those two particular fights. I think they're, they're good fights for him. That's what he needs at this stage of his career. He needs to move forward. But then you've got Chris Billum-Smith, also in the Cruiserweight division, also looking for an opportunity. Maybe there's a potential rematch on the cards between those two, but it wouldn't make sense maybe until one of them actually holds one of the big four titles because then it would make more money. Of course it would. But what did you think of his destruction of Kloake last night? Did you think it was pretty standard or was it just Kloake starting to really fade now as a former champion and a, and a former guy at the top of his game? Twofold. And this is, I put the hoodie on to be more edgy, you know, so I look like a more of a boxing guy. If you looked at Glowacki's body, and you know I'm a big body guy, lift weights, um, his abs weren't as defined as in some of his other fights. So I think that he's slowing down in the camps where his body's slowing down. So I do think he's taking some hard fights. This isn't the prime version. Um, I expected this to be a no-brainer win 
based on where his body was with Glowaki going into this. But I mean, Richard is one of these fighters where he's ticking all the box to keep me interested in the division I'm so uninterested in, cruiserweight. It's like the intermediary division of great fighters in between light heavyweight and heavyweight. And honestly, he's probably the most captivating cruiserweight currently for me. And he did everything I expected to keep and hold my interest at the present time, where every time he's on a card, I go, okay, I'm going to stop and watch this guy. So I think mission accomplished for him. And I think a lot of what keeps me interested is he's so frigging big. He's so frigging big. He's probably going to be a world champion and he's probably going to move up to heavyweight. And that's going to become a thing. Can he be a two division world champion? Very interesting thoughts, Luke. I am genuinely interested to see whether React Poor can do that. I think he can compete at world level. And last night was a test as to whether he can fight a former world champion and title challenger himself. And he, he did it in emphatic fashion. And he certainly puts himself out there ready for a big fight in the future. And I, I do want to see it. I do want to see these big fights. I mean, it is a division which I feel domestically for us in the UK, it's quite a hotbed because we've got quite a few cruiserweights there that are all sort of vying for position as as champion or in Nicolai's case, he's already champion. So it is interesting for us, and I can, but I can understand how that perspective can be interpreted from a, a USA boxing fan's standpoint because it's a difficult division and like, it's not a glamour division, is it? I mean, the only time it was glamorous, really, is when you, you had the, the, the likes of Dwight Mohamed Kawi and you had Evander Holyfield in there and then you've obviously had Alexander Usyk, David Hay, you know, the moments out of the last 20, 30 years where you've had these guys that have kind of lit up the divisions, but... I think that we've got a good batch of fighters within there again now. And I think it's it's kind of the time and the place to start sort of making this more interesting again. But unless the right fights are made, it is going to be one of those bypass divisions, like you say. But but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his win. I enjoyed seeing him call out people. You know, he was quite um, quite theatrical about the way he did it. So it was uh, it was an enjoyment for me to see. And it's what I wanted to see from him. What he didn't see him calling people out and saying, look, I want these big fights now. I'm ready for it. I've done what I needed to do. I'm there. So it was good to see him, to see him do that. Uh, last fight on the card then, Lukey, before I move into one fight in the USA, which happened over the weekend, which I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Echo Asubin and Chris Congo in the welterweight division. It was a hotly contested affair. Uh, it was a tale of two halves, very cliche saying, but it certainly felt that way last night when watching that particular fight as Chris Congo started really, really well and started to sort of take the first four or five rounds of it before Asuman's educated pressure, uh, cutting the ring down, getting on the chest of Chris Congo, all seemed to pay dividends in the end as he got a majority decision over Congo with one judge actually scoring it a draw. So, it was an interesting fight and it was a good comeback in my eyes for a Subin. But does it leave people thinking that maybe he's not ready for the world level as in a Subin? Because I said before this fight that maybe a Subin, if he can do a good job in, in beating Congo, that he'll actually show that he's kind of ready for that move forward now. Whereas now it was a good win for him. But now I think I see, I want to see him fight Michael McKinson, another UK domestic welterweight who fought Virgil Ortiz Jr. and took that step up and shown that maybe he wasn't totally ready for that level. So I think the fight I want to see domestically for us is Asuman versus Michael McKinson. They're the, aside from Conor Ben obviously being a welterweight, they're the other two best fighters around in the welterweight division in the UK. 
And I just want to know what your thoughts were on the fight and, and of course, on a Suman's career trajectory following that fight. You hit the nail on the head. I think he went from being a potential world challenger to he needs to prove he's the best guy from Britain. And I think that's where he's at. Keeping it short and sweet. Just how I like it, Lukey. Just how I like it. So, the fight that I wanted to talk to you about, and I'm sure you tuned into this on Friday, was the fight between Hemphill and Stevens, which was full of drama. Uh, full of drama as I couldn't believe what I saw, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I was... I'd not seen too much of both guys, admittedly, but I knew enough about them to get a feel for what this fight was all about and the the sort of significance of it for both men. We're both undefeated going into the fight. And, you know, as I perceived the fight, I saw Hemphill on his way to getting a unanimous decision victory before Stevens caught him, caught him and finished him in the final seconds of the final round of the fight. I mean, certainly some Friday night drama going on there in the U.S., what did you make of that? I mean, I think this is what we tune into Showbox for, right? Is guys who are having trouble standing out or making a name for themselves, but they're very good fighters in their own right, maybe a level above regional fighters, and they're fighting in an evenly contested match to make a name for themselves in the whole world. And I think what happened is both of these guys now are fighters that we know what they bring and we know they're exciting. And that is the concept of Showbox which I think is a very smart and successful way to build fighters because I don't think you're going to miss a David Stevens fight or a Sean Hemphill fight after such a fight. Hey, well, this is it. This is what I'm saying when I say I didn't know too much about them. But after seeing that now, it makes you as a fan want to tune in more to them, especially when you're coming from a different country, tuning into two fighters that you, you kind of know limited information or limited fight details about. And I think that's the beauty of, like you said, what Showbox has done now is presented a fight which then gets people looking forward to seeing further fights on further Showbox cards. So I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was it was dramatic. It's, it's kind of given me everything that I wanted to see out of a fight rather than it being just a sort of a shutout decision, which is kind of, in some ways, what it was heading to be. But the drama of the end of the fight was, was just exciting and it made me want to sort of follow both of these guys' careers following that particular fight. So if anybody that's listening didn't tune into that fight, you should go and watch it now. It'll be available on YouTube to watch and it's it's an exciting it's an exciting ending to the fight and you know, I'm not trying to make the the comparison, but it certainly reminded me of uh, a few years ago when Cal Froch was behind on the cards and came back to beat Jermaine Taylor in the final seconds of their fight, echoing what happened in 1990 with Chavez and Meldrick Tegel. It was certainly it was certainly one of them moments that I don't think people will forget anytime soon. But it was a good weekend of fights. Uh, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the main event in the UK, Eubank versus Smith. We've seen some great things on social media in the aftermath of it. And, and obviously it looks like there's potentially going to be a rematch in that fight. And we've talked about it in this episode about what's going to happen potentially next. And there's certainly a lot more to this story, I think, that meets the eye. And with the re-emergence of Conor Ben and everything that's been going on with him, that'll certainly potentially make a bit of a triangle of uh, big fights for the UK this year and, and hopefully that re-emergence once we know a bit more about his situation will actually allow us to understand where these guys could could potentially go and whose careers and going to end up suffering off the back of it but no it's been enjoyable I've really enjoyed breaking it down and talking about it with you Lukey as always it's uh, it's great to have you on thank you for coming on to the show and 
doing the reaction to Eubank versus Smith. And just a big shout out to everybody else listening. Thank you, as always, for listening to us. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please go and find us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And you can find us on TikTok videos, audiograms. We stick quite a few bits out on there. Uh, one final thing to mention the Dark Side of Boxing is back. Episode 2 is released. It is the extraordinary life of Eamon McGee. If you've not listened to the first episode, it's the story of Hector Macho Camacho. Please make sure you've subscribed to that podcast on any available podcasting app. Big thank you to you, Luke. Thank you so much for coming on the episode and a big shout out to everybody listening. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll be back later in the week for a Peturbia versus Yard big fight preview. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.